Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. You may be seated. I'm so glad to give honor to the pastor. How many of you are glad for your pastor? Amen. If I was to let's say there was a quiz show. And I would offer you a million dollars to answer one simple Bible question. You Probably most of you might get it wrong. Who penned the most words in the New Testament? Luke. Luke penned the most words in the New Testament. We know that Apostle Paul wrote most of the epistles, but Luke penned most of the words in the New Testament. Over 27% of the New Testament. That's over a quarter, one-fourth of the New Testament that had been, had been penned. Luke, he writes the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the, the Apostles. But why? Why did Luke pen most of the words in the New Testament? Moses taught theology on stone tablets. David Psalmist David sang his theology. Paul explained theologies and letters while correcting problems in churches. But Luke, he tells theology on the wings of a story. It's what I would call not the book of Luke's and the gospel of Acts, but I call it Luke-Acts. It's a story. Luke intentionally frames his story in a specific way, not like Matthew or Mark, but Luke tells the story of Jesus as a journey. So where is Jesus going on his journey? Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Not one or two times, not five or six times, but 14 times Luke records that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He set his face to go towards Jerusalem. And here's another million-dollar question. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was talking to Moses and Elijah, what did, what did they talk about? Let's go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 30 and 31. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So he talked with Moses and Elijah about his death at Jerusalem. We find in, in Acts 2, in verse 38, And she coming in at that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake un, of him to all that, uh, them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. This is when Jesus is being 
uh, on the eighth day is circumcised. And, and here we find that they're looking for redemption in Jerusalem. But here Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's talking to Moses and Elijah about going to Jerusalem. The transfiguration with Moses and Elijah is in Luke chapter 9. Jesus is on a journey to Jerusalem. Luke chapter 9 and verse 45. Everybody okay out there? Luke 9 and verse 49. And John answered and said, Master... We saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbid him, because he followeth not us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to, where? Jerusalem. And set messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. They did not receive him because his face was as though it would go to Jerusalem. And his disciples, James and John, saw this. They said, Lord, without this time that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? Man, they didn't make ready for Jesus in Samaria, so his disciples are ready to call fire down from heaven and burn up the Samaritans. There's some crazy church folk every once in a while, ain't they? Here, here they're wanting to call fire down from heaven. And, and, and we read in the first part of this, he said, Master, we saw ones ca casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade them, we rebuked them, because he's not one of the clique. He's not one of us. Jesus, we told him, don't you do that. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. If Jesus is going to die on the cross... Why did it take him so long to get to Jerusalem? We're in Luke chapter 9. There's 24 chapters in Luke. In the 23rd chapter, we find this crucifixion. How is it possible for him to be traveling to Jerusalem in chapter 9? Because his face was set to go to Jerusalem. Jesus is on a mission for redemption. In Luke chapter 13... Luke chapter 13 and verse 33. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Jesus would not be deterred from his journey. Jesus is on a journey to go to Jerusalem. The crucifixion is still not for another 10 chapters. Why does Luke tell the story this way? You're all quiet. You must be thinking. Why does Luke tell the story this way? With Jesus taking time, uh, taking most of the book of Luke to get to Jerusalem, what is he doing? Why? We read in two, they're looking for redemption in Jerusalem. Luke chapter 9, Luke pins this. He's headed to Jerusalem. 13, we read, Jesus would not be deterred from his journey. Luke chapter 18 and verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be 
accomplished. Jesus has taken an awful long time to get to Jerusalem. But in the process of going to Jerusalem, he's teaching a theology. Jesus is teaching a, th a theology. We learn more when someone shows us something more than just talking about it. Luke is playing show and tell. It's like a five-year-old that takes a bullfrog to school in the shoebox. Where's Finn when you need a bullfrog? So, so as a five-year-old will take and carry a shoebox with his frog on it, and he gets to school, and the teacher says, what do you got that for us? What would you say, Finn? What do you got for us, Finn? And he pulls out this big bullfrog. And he said, look, everybody, it's a frog. Luke is playing show and tell because in the Luke Acts story, it's just not two stories, but it's one story. The climax is at Jerusalem in Luke. The pinnacle of the whole story happens at Jerusalem. Luke pins this, the whole pinnacle and climax is it's going to happen at Jerusalem. But what of Acts? What of Acts? Let's turn to Acts chapter, turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And this is Jesus at his, he had done been uh, uh, crucified. He had done been, uh, he was buried. He, he rose from the, on the third day. But Luke writes this in Luke chapter 24 and, and verse 45. And he says, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that remission and uh, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued from power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, he goes right in and continues the story. Watch. And this former treatise I have made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach until the day in that he was taken up after that through the Holy Ghost he had given commandments, that's what Jesus just did, unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom after uh, also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and the Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And verse 6, and when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the season. 
This is after Jesus had died and was buried and after he had resurrected. The book of Luke, at the end of the book of Luke, it should be over, but it's not. Jesus gives them a command, an anticipation of waiting of something to happen. But the disciples are saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Luke tells a narrative in a prescribed way. Think of a bedtime story. You cannot tell the whole story. If you tell the whole story just right, but the child is not satisfied and until you say what ending at the end of the story. And they lived happily ever after. Luke tells the story in a narrative in a prescribed way, like the bedtime story. The, the bedtime story, the climax is close to the end, but in Luke Acts, the climax comes someplace else. It comes in the middle. And so we read here, read, read in, 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 John, in uh, Luke chapter 24, and then we go to Acts, how the continuation of, this, of the story is. Luke is trying to convey a theology to our understanding and bring something to the forefront of our minds. Jesus is on a journey. Jesus is trying to bring a new doctrine to the disciples and the religious realm uh, people at that time. Luke Acts is not two stories, but it's one story. The climax happens at Jerusalem. The pinnacle of the whole story happens at Jerusalem. Two things that Luke is pinning and trying to, to, to get across. Jesus is, is, Luke is writing the story and telling us all these events that, that, that happened in, in, in Luke and Acts. Jesus is trying to, to bring to the, to the culture of that day a new theology. But guess what? They're stuck in traditions. They're stuck in the ideology of the way that it had always been. And the second thing that, that Luke is pinning, Jesus is saying, I'm going to do a new thing, something that has never been experienced before. We find the day of Pentecost. We've all experienced the day of Pentecost. We've received that baptism of the Holy Ghost. But how about the disciples? How about the disciples? We read one place, and, and they said, Lord, we found out some people casting out devils, you know, and, like, we rebuked them. Think about it. And then he said, Jesus, they didn't prepare a place for you in Samaria. You want us to call fire down from heaven? They got a mindset and an ideology and a religious dogma that they're stuck in the law of Moses. And Jesus is trying to say, I'm bringing to you the kingdom of God. Here's the kingdom of God. How many times have we read in the scripture, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like a sower. The kingdom of God is like that. Jesus tries to change their mindset and their ideology. I said all that to say, to get to this point. In Matthew chapter 9. In verse 14. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? Huh, we're in the middle of this fast, and you got to get up and talk about fasting. Who wants a cup of coffee? Who wants something to eat right now? But thy disciples fast not. 
And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, taken from them, and they then shall they fast. No man putteth a new piece of uh, uh, putteth a piece of new cloth onto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and they both are preserved. I chose the, the writings of Matthew for the wording. Jesus is trying to bring a new thing. He, he, he came as a Messiah, he came and he's try, he picks his 12 disciples and, and we find in the scripture, and he opened their understanding. Here they are stuck in the traditions of the law. Jesus said, I've come not to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill it. He comes to bring a new thing. And we find in Acts that Peter stands up and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Jesus tells him, say, go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It was a wow moment, an event. How many of you received the Holy Ghost? And you understand, it's, 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 it's unexplainable, but undeniable. Jesus is saying, go tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. They was just obedient and did what Jesus was going to, told them to do. But the biggest hang-up with this, the disciples, the whole journey as his face was set to Jerusalem is their ideology of the way that things were, al- the things, things were always the way they was. And look, we're not understanding this, Jesus. What do you mean? I read in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, uh, here we find John, the disciples of John, comes to Jesus and they say, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but thy disciples fast not? And then Jesus says unto them, he said, can I, can I, as long as I'm with you, they don't need to fast. But when, there's going to be a time when I go away and you're going to have to fast. But then Jesus goes into this whole discourse and says, you can't put a new piece of cloth on an old garment or else... It, it tears, it, it, the rent is made worse. Or you can't put new wine into old bottles or else they bust and they break. Why does Jesus go from, they're, they're talking about fasting and he says, as long as I'm with them, you know, they don't need to fast. Then Jesus goes into this whole discourse of wine and bottles and putting cloth on, on, on fabric because he's trying to get an ideology a stubbornness, a, a, a way of thinking that they had had for all these years, the traditions of their fathers and their forefathers. And God says, I'm doing a new thing. Jesus shows up on the scene to, scene to do a new thing. The whole time Luke writes in, in his writing, Jesus is on a journey. He's headed to Jerusalem. His face is set towards Jerusalem. And we're in the middle of this fast here. Could it be that when we fast that it sets our face towards God? It, it, everything that's to the right and left of us, we, we set our face toward God and say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. There's a Garden of Gethsemane moment in our life. 
Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, and the pivotal point for Jesus is the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thy will. The whole time Jesus is talking to his disciples and picks his 12, and they go along in the journey on the way to Jerusalem. He's trying to break their mindset, their mindset that I've come to do a new thing. It's not going to be the way that the, the fathers had done them. I'm not come to destroy the law, but I've come to do a new thing. So here we find in Matthew chapter 9 how he says, you know, why do we and the disciples and the Pharisees fast? Can the children of the bridegroom, you know, and he says, you know, I'm with them right now. I don't need to fast. But then he goes into this whole thing of putting a new cloth on, on an old garment. I remember my mom putting, putting he had a pair of wore out jeans and she put a, one of them old iron on patches and I went outside and played and boy, it ripped beside it. To, and then I'll go in, I said, mom, the pants ripped. And she said, where'd they rip at? And so I show her, she goes, oh, we're gonna have to throw them away. Because why? There was no flexibility. There was no flex flexibility. The, the, the disciples of John says, why do we and the Pharisees fast often? He says, you ain't got no flexibility. You've got to understand what I'm trying to accomplish here. He goes down into the wine and the, the bottles and the wineskins and, and, the, and, the, and it says Bible, and the, I mean bottles in this, in this version here, but it means a wineskin. They would take and pour the wine and the, and the wineskin and the... The, with the formation, uh, formation and, and, and the, the gases, the, the wineskin would stretch. And once they used that up, if they tried to put the wine in the wineskin, put new wine into old wineskins, there was no more flexibility. And the Bible says that it would, the, 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 the bottles would break and the wine runneth out. What is Jesus trying to say to us? What is Jesus trying to say to us? Jesus tells his disciples that they ain't flexible. They ain't flexible. And could it be in this time of fasting and 21 days of fasting and, and prayer, could God be telling us that we need to be more flexible? Can I be flexible to the will of God can I be flexible to what you want to do? Or do we want to end the fast and just go back to normal just like we always had church? We'll sing our three songs. We'll go home and eat some chicken leg. I know, we're starting to meet fast, don't know. You know, you, know I, I, you go to the grocery store and you find a, a dozen eggs or whatever. You know, who would ever thought a dozen eggs cost the price of a chicken? You know, am I, am I telling the truth or what? It reminds you in the scriptures about, you know, it takes a bag of gold to buy a loaf of bread. Jesus is telling his disciples on the journey to go to the mission of redemption for you and I. Jesus is telling his disciples all through the scriptures we find. You're not flexible. And let me give you a, a, a backdrop. We got a couple minutes. A backdrop to, to, to the setting here. You got the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You got the Sanhedrin court. The Sanhedrin court is made up of a 70-member seat. You got Caiaphas at Jesus' time when he was, when he was uh, crucified. Caiaphas was the high priest at that time. He would be like the president, speaker of the house. He was the, he was the high official and the 70-seat member. 
You got the Pharisees and you got the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees stuck to oral traditions. They were dogmatic. They followed the letter of the law. And they didn't, you don't hear a lot of interaction between Jesus and the Sadducees because as long as Jesus didn't mess with the religion, they was good. But then we find the Pharisees, which you find more in the scripture because the, the Pharisees followed the strict, the strict uh, adherent to the law, but they had these oral traditions. They had these oral traditions like the washing of hands, and they would go to Jesus, why does your disciples come from the marketplace? And they don't wash your hands like we. Jesus is interacting and dealing with, with all these religious people, the church folk, saying you're stuck in your traditions. You're stuck in your traditions. In fact, the whole, we read in, in Acts chapter 1, will at this time restore the, the kingdom of Israel, Jesus? You know, we understand. We're going to go to Jerusalem and we're going to be in due with power. I know you told us to do that. But are you at this time? They're still stuck in the ideology that king, the, uh, the, Jerusalem's going to be run by Israel. But unbeknown to them, Rome had, had control of, of, of Jerusalem at that time. If it would have been unto, uh, up to the Sanhedrin court of the Sadducees and Pharisees, they would have took Jesus out and stoned him under the law. But because Rome occupied Jerusalem, Rome had control of jurisdiction and, and civil duties and judgment. So what happens? Caiaphas says, oh, we got to release one and we got to kill one. Naturally, he chose Barabbas. And here Jesus gets crucified. Because Rome occupied, it was the will of God. Sometimes we fuss about the political scene, the, the scene that's happening in our world, but could it be that it's the will of God for whoever's in office? I'm not saying whether you're Democrat, Republican, I'm not getting political. What I'm saying, could it be that the will of God is what it is? Because in order for Jesus to cru be crucified that I could get redemption, Rome had to occupy Jerusalem. Here Jesus is dealing with their theology and their doctrines and their dogma. And don't you know we're supposed to wash hands? Don't you know we're supposed to do this and do that? And Jesus, you know, they're crazy church folk. They're like, you want us to call fire down from heaven, Jesus? Because they didn't set a place for you to eat. Crazy. They thought Peter even in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'll fight for you, Jesus. I'll fight for you. Pulls out a sword, cuts Malchus' ear off. But you got to understand that Jesus is going to Jerusalem for redemption, but he's also trying to change the ideology of their religion. He's trying to change the mindset. And in this fast that we're doing, I would, I would present to you and, and, and ask you, what is, what's the Spirit of the Lord speaking to you about to change in your life? I mean, let's get real. We all like to be comfortable. We go through all this fast and don't eat bread and don't eat pasta and don't drink coffee and don't do this and don't do that. And we get done it and then like, I don't know if that's a word or not, done it. But after, after you get finished with it, then what? Are we going back to church like normal? Are we going back just to like status quo? We, we hear, we hear I'm, I'm going to talk about four things here. I'm going to talk about four things. I'm going to talk about expansion and growth and disruption and opportunity. I'm going to talk about expansion. Jesus was on a journey. 
And on his journey, he's trying to expand their thinking. It's, Jesus is saying, I've come to do a new, not only a new thing, but I've come to change your mindset of the way that it's always done. Bring an ex, expansion to the way that we think. In order for there to be, when you have expansion, you have growth. Growth, if you put a seed in the soil, it, it disrupts the soil. When the body grows, it disrupts your clothes. When you have growth, you have disruption. We just come through two or three years of whatever COVID, and it was pretty disruptive, wasn't it? It crazy. We had church, then we didn't have church. Had this going on, that going on. You didn't know who was going to be sick. You had to wear masks and all that. And it disrupted our lives, didn't it? It was disrupted. It was disruptive. But it kind of makes you think. It opens your mind a little bit. We come back to church, and it's, it's not like it, it was because now you start appreciating things a little better, and you're like, man, you don't know what you got till it's gone. God sometimes allows disruption in our life to get us to change our perspective, to get us to change the way that we think and the way that we do things. Sometimes I find that young people are, are used, once you've been in church for 30 years and 40 years and you get on up in the, in, in the numbers, and not that you're old, but, but you've had these experiences with God. You've had these encounters with God. You've had these moments with God, and they rack up. You can go back and you think of all the times that God has blessed you, and you've benefited, and you've done things for the kingdom of God, and the Spirit's moved on, and we get this repertoire of, of all this history, the way God has always done things. Now, the young people don't have that. So they just act in faith, and you're like, what are they doing, yeah? And they just act in faith because they don't have this big, long history of the way God has spoke to them, and God has done things. And sometimes God will use a young person. But let me, let me tell you, what if God wants to change his methods? God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But God changes his methods. And what if we, as a people and a body and a group of people, get stuck in a mindset that, nope, this is the way God's always worked and we're going to stick it with this way, you know, I, we can't change. And we're stuck in our traditions and formalities and we expect the moving of the Spirit a certain way and we expect the songs to go a certain way and we expect this to go a certain way and we expect our job to go a certain way. And God says, I want to change methods. I want to change methods. We're going through this fast. Could it be that God wants to open your perception to change methods? I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about water baptism. I'm not talking about Acts 2, 3. I ain't talking about none of that. I'm talking about just the way that we do business, the way our system is in our mind right up here. That's the whole reason Jesus is going on his journey. He's fighting with their system, the ideology that they had that it's done this way. Am I helping anybody today? I don't want 2023 to be like 2022. I want to see more of the miraculous. I want to see God do something different. I want to see God do something in a unique way. With expansion, we, we, hear, we hear preaching, God's going to send revival. There's going to be expansion. That means growth. And with growth comes disruption. What are you going to do with the disruption? 
I asked you, what are you going to do with the disruption? Because it ain't going to be like status quo when you got people coming in. They ain't known this church thing, this whole ideology of the way traditions are. What do you do with that? You got disruption. But when you got disruption, it's opportunity. Opportunity. All God wants is opportunity. God wants opportunity to work in our life. That's the whole reason Jesus, Jesus is trying to... And in one place we, where we read in the scripture, he says, you don't know what spirit you're of. They're trying to call fire down from heaven. There's opportunity that God wants to do in 2023. But are you up for the challenge? We, we could say, and, 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 and you know, God's going to bring a revival. And it needs to be said. But where the rubber meets the road is when the disruption happens. And we're like, why is this happening? Why is the pastor calling a fast? And why is the pastor doing this? And why is he doing that? And he follows the leading of the Spirit. And we sit back and fold our hands like they did back in the old days. They'd fold our hands like, well, they didn't sing my song. Well, they're supposed to sing this song. And why are they singing four songs for? Don't you know I got chicken in the crock pot? There's that chicken again. So, so you understand, understand God, wants to, God wants an opportunity to work in our lives. Every one of us, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost here today, that means the Spirit of God is living in you. It's dwelling right here. Don't Know ye not that you are the temple of the, of the living God. What is the Spirit saying to you? What is the Spirit saying to you? You're going through this fast. What is the Spirit of the Lord saying to you? What do you need to change? What do I need to change? To be more like Christ. When we're praying and fasting, we're seeking after God. We pray for revival, but what about here? Can I be a vessel that God uses for revival? Can I be something that God uses, but am I stuck in my traditions? Am I stuck in my status quo that it's always been that way with the, with expansion there comes growth and with growth comes disruption but with disruption comes opportunity god wants an opportunity we read in matthew chapter 9 matthew chapter chapter 9 it says neither do men put new wine into old bottles else the bottles break and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish but they put new wine into new bottles and they both are preserved Jesus said you got to put new wine and new bottles or it's not going to be preserved we pray we fast God moves on us a time, you get that refilling and regush of the Spirit of God, and you feel fresh and new. And the Spirit of God comes down in the inside, and you're like, man, I feel so just joyous, and the power of God just moves on you at times during prayer. Jesus said, you've got to put new wine in new bottles, and they're both are preserved. I'm the bottle. Jesus is wanting to do a new thing. Jesus is wanting, the Spirit of God is wanting to bring a, a break an ideology concept the way that it's always been. We come here and do church, and we, we come, and I, I'm, not, I'm not downplay. We come here, and, and we have great church, and we have good move of the service of God, good moves of the Spirit of God. But does the Spirit of God move equally on Monday? And does the Spirit of God move equally on Tuesday? 
Are you open to what God is wanting to do and letting the Spirit... Because Jesus told him, he says, unless you put new wine in the new bottles, that's the only way you're going to be preserved. If you're going to make it in the end and be in the will of God, you got to be a, a new bottle. you got to be a vessel that's willing to God, I'm going to set my will. There's got to be a garden of Gethsemane in your life that Jesus says, not my will, but thy will be done. They've got to say, okay, God, I'm fasting because I'm putting away my will. I'm putting away my ideals. I'm putting away the way that I think it should be. And, Lord, I want to follow after your spirit. Let's stand all over the room today. How many of you are? Every one of us are guilty for thinking things should be like they always should be. God, you've got to move this way because, well, that's the way you moved yesterday. This is what happened with Moses. What happened? He smote the rock instead of speaking to it because that's the way God did it yesterday. And I, I asked you, I present to you in this teaching session to open your mind to say, God, what is your will in my life? I need a fresh visitation of your spirit to direct me, to guide me, and get rid of my ideology of the way that I think that you should operate. I've got to be flexible. If we're going to have the revival that God intends for us to have, we've got to be flexible. They've got to be a flexibility about us, a flexibility that... that God, whatever your spirit wants to do in these last days, because things, it's going to get disruptive. You read the end of the book, it's going to get crazy. I don't know when that time will happen. But I know this, that I want to be flexible to what God wants to do. Let's lift our hands all over this room today. Let's lift our hands all over this room today. Say, God, I want to be flexible. I want to be flexible, oh God. I want to be flexible, oh God. I don't want the status quo, God. But I want you to do a new thing in me, God. I want you to change my mindset, my perception of things, God. Oh, we worship you. Come on, reach out to him today. Reach out to him today. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, O God. Hallelujah. Change is hard. Change is hard, especially when you start getting older. Am I speaking truth or what? It's hard to change. And I don't know about you, but I need the Spirit of God to help me change. I need the Spirit of God to help me change. Change is hard. I do not want 23 to be like 22 was. I want it to be different. Life is exciting. Life is, is, is grand if, if you think it is. It is. Really, it is. We have troubles and trials and flat tires and this goes wrong and that goes, goes wrong. 
But Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. I'm going to have joy in the midst of chaos. I'm going to have joy in the midst of disruption. I'm going to have joy and peace because he is the giver of peace. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I have a hope of redemption. Oh, give a hand clap unto the Lord today. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.